Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Michaela, what if I told you that there is a strategy, a perfectly formulated schedule that if you followed, uh, it would be the greatest life hack of all time. Every single choice you made throughout the day would be lined up perfectly with your optimal timing as a human being. What would you say to that? I would say give me all the answers right now. Because this is really fascinating because there's a study that was done uh, to figure out all of these things and and, and how to sort of plan your day. Uh, And this was all done by UK Biobank. Now, they tested 88,000 people. Uh, They said, for instance, here's one, and this is one that we cannot do. Maybe you do, actually. Uh, People who fell asleep between 10 p.m. or shortly after are less likely to develop cardiovascular disease compared with those who go to bed either earlier or later. Now, I went to bed at 7.45 p.m. last night. Does that mean I'm at risk? Am I going to bed too early? That sounds incredible to me. I'm exhausted. I can't stay up till 10, 10 10.30. Not with these hours. Well, I got to tell you something. I do, and I have been lately, uh, and I... I, I can't do it anymore. Like, I'm tired. Mm. It's really difficult for me. I feel like I try to, I'm like trying to work a million different jobs and, uh, and it's, I can too stay much. up. I can stay up until like 10 once a week during the work week. I, I literally hear that. But I have to be in bed Are by 8.30. Are you napping in the afternoon still? Yes. Mm-hmm. Almost every day if yeah. I have time. But this week and last week, I haven't had a whole lot of time. I've yeah. been too busy. I know. Uh, even to get like an hour to like close my eyes. Usually my mind stops like racing after about an hour. Yeah. And by the time that happens, it's time for me to get back up so I don't actually sleep. Totally. Um, but this is the perfect daily routine according to this study. If you're going to weigh yourself, and I've been doing this because I'm weighing myself, I'm doing it like once a week right now, and sometimes I cheat because I'm curious, uh, but I'm trying to lose some of that COVID fat that I put on this last year, and so I've been weighing myself. Well, do you know when the perfect time to weigh yourself is? When? When do you weigh yourself? I've never, I don't weigh myself You don't at all. all. You just look at your waist to see how you feel? Yes. Okay. Well, if you are going to weigh yourself, do it at 6 a.m., right when you wake up. Yeah, that makes sense. You've had time to process. You might go to the restroom in the morning and get everything out of you. You have no food or like beverages in you at that time. Because sometimes I'll weigh myself at night and I'm like, wait, what? I weigh heavier, but then I'm like, I just ate like a foot long sub. Loki, I did that last night. That is a true story. Amen. Now, if you're going to take your vitamins, you should do it about an hour later because uh, if they are water soluble, especially vitamin B, C, and others, uh, they absorb best on an empty stomach. If you're going to take a pregnancy test, Michaela, if you want to find out if you're pregnant, you should do it at 7.30 a.m. 
Do you want to know why? Why? Because that's when human chronic uh, something, some weird HCG is the word. Uh, I, oh, yeah, not, that makes sense, that's actually. That's when the levels are at their highest, and you're more likely to get an accurate result on that. Okay, well, I think that this is all super interesting. So they're saying go food shopping at 10.30 mm-hmm. a.m. Yes. Because your stomach is full from breakfast, yep. making healthier decisions. Mm-hmm. Ask for a pay raise at, at 11 a.m. Yeah. And take a walk at 12 p.m. Yep. As I'm reading this, it's totally making sense. Well, because at 11 a.m. is when you're supposed to have your most, your highest level of energy. Because let, let's, let's think on average, you go to work at 9 a.m. Most people do a 9 to 5, right? And you're kind of getting warmed up. And by 11, you're at full throttle, right? Yeah. You go for a walk at noon because that's when the sun is shining just perfectly to give you the most vitamin D. And that's very, very important. You should eat lunch an hour later and then maybe have coffee around 2.15 because at 2.16, according to the study of 88,000 people, at 2.16 p.m. is when the average worker starts to dip in productivity. So at 2.15, one minute early, you should have that coffee. Then you might be amped up from that because the best time to have sex, when do you... 3 p.m. Okay. When do you like to have sex? I'm a morning girl. I do. I mean, I am too. But because we wake up so early, Mm -hmm. I actually do find that we, when we get it on, honey, Mm -hmm. is around that time. That feels right. Like right before I go to the gym. I had all the sex last night before I went to bed. That's probably why I went to bed so early. Oh, yeah. Because you Mm -hmm. started having sex at 3? At 7. It was a random time. Okay. Wasn't my best performance, but we did it. Well, Uh, guess when you're supposed to clean your house? When? 4 p.m. Why? Uh, because those who clean the house in the afternoon find it easier because that is when hand-eye coordination Wait, is at what? its peak and your mood is brighter. But <laughs> a lot of people, sense. I feel like people wake up and clean their house. I clean in the morning sometimes. I actually got up this morning and you texted me that you wanted a coffee for work, as you do oftentimes because I have a really fancy Nespresso machine. Amen. Uh, and my coffee is cheaper to you than it is. but It's cost me more, of course, but it costs you less because you get it for free. Amen. And so I made it for you. And your first drink this morning, you said, honey, it tastes like dish soap. I had to hand wash your yeah. coffee pot from yesterday. Like, that I, I literally just took the cap off and kept drinking. Well, how about this? The best time to exercise, though, this one is a big one for me. Between 3 and 6 p.m. You want to know why? Why? Because the temperature in your body increases throughout the day, and it loosens up your muscle function and improves your strength. So that's the best time to go. But for me, I can't go after that because I literally will not be able to fall asleep. I have The latest time I can take a workout class is 5 p.m. If I do 30 minutes later, I will definitely fall asleep. Also, this one's really fascinating to me, and I want to share this one before I let you go. I know you like shoes. I love shoes. My partner just had to go up half a size because he thinks his feet are getting bigger or flattening out, and he looked it up, and it's a real thing. Well, it just so happens that the best time to buy shoes, 6 p.m., because your feet swell during the day. So you want to make sure you get the best fitting shoes. Hit the shops in the evening after work when your feet will be their largest. I love oh, that interesting? So smart. Yeah, well, for heels, that totally makes sense for me. My little feet swell up. and it, they... I'm going to forget all of this tomorrow, but I feel very, very structured to today. Now. Money makes the world go around, the world go Sure around, does. Yes. But how do you how do you navigate the world of money? It's a conversation not pe- many people have uh, growing up. They unfortunately don't teach it in schools the way they should, and there's queer people in particular. Uh, money conversations can be extra, extra important, which is why... It's time for another round of Money Mondays. We're joined by our certified financial planner, Ryan Vickery. Ryan, how are you? Hi, honey. Great. Thanks for having me. 
We're talking about uh, tax tips, how to save money Ugh. as 2021 comes to an end. But you just did something really exciting this weekend. Are you able to share a bit of that with us? Yeah, I actually got married um, about a week ago today. And that's how you saved on his taxes. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> we are going to actually we are actually going to have you back uh, to talk about this in one of the Money Mondays and in, in the weeks to come, maybe in 2022. I'm actually planning a wedding to my fiance of nine years in Cancun right now, uh, which I hear you just were just there. So we're going to talk about planning yes. planning for a big gay wedding in 2022. Yeah. Uh, I do have a question, I, though. I've got all the tips. Good, because I, uh, I need him. Because I've about walked away from this thing about a dozen times. Cause it's a pain in the butt to plan an international wedding, but yeah. we'll talk about it later. Yes, it no, I want to ask you a question. <laughs> Two taxes. I will say, living in the state of California is rough when it comes to taxes. Oftentimes, I look at my paycheck and I'm like, "What is going on, Queen? I don't get it." Uh, so, as we're coming to the end of the year, we're going to start filing for taxes. What are some tips uh, to get the most out of our paycheck and our taxes? Yeah, so there are a few things you can do to help lower your tax bill for this year, hopefully increase that refund you get next year. Um, first, we're look at what's called charitable donations. There's a special tax deduction for this year for anyone who makes charitable donations. You can deduct up to $300 if you file single or up to $600 if you file jointly. Uh, these deductions were previously only allowed if you itemize your tax term, but this year it's available for everyone. Uh, but you want to keep your charitable receipts just in case you have, you have an audit. So, again, that's that's charitable donations. Okay. Um, next, there's a strategy called tax loss harvesting. This is when you sell an investment like a stock or a mutual fund at a loss before the end of the year. You can use that loss to your tax advantage because those losses can offset up to $3,000 of income each year as well as offset any future taxable gains you may have realized. Mm. So for someone who trades stocks and maybe some of those are down, you could consider selling those at a loss, get that tax benefit, and if you still love the stock, you can rebuy it 31 days later. Oh, that's interesting. Two things there. Um, Also, uh, regarding your retirement accounts, you could consider uh, putting the max into your 401k plan or your other company-sponsored plan. You can put up to $26,000, depending on your age, into a 401k and reduce your income by up to that amount, which, again, lowers your tax bill for this year. Wait, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, say that again. Day, which is, yeah, ex- say it again. Explain the 401k again. So you can put up to $26,000 into the account, which would then reduce the amount of income that you show for the year and which then lowers your, your taxes due. That's, how, that's what you're saying? Yes, so it, it goes in pre-tax. So basically, it goes from your paycheck directly to the 401k without being taxed. So mm. in effect, your income is reduced um, for, for this year. That's really good advice because I just found out I had a 401k. Yeah, she's uh, she's 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 really on top of it. I do. What about our listeners who are coming into this? Because I hit this a few years about five years ago. I had a rough year where I had a, a tax bill that I did not expect. What if? You know, our listeners are like, I have a feeling I'm going to get hit. A lot of us, especially in the entertainment industry out here or who work in gig work, uh, we have a mixture of maybe W-2 and 1099. Uh, It can be a little bit tricky figuring out what to put back and what what you're going to owe. So for those who might be in that situation and they're afraid that they're going to owe X amount of dollars and maybe they have a little bit to put aside right now, maybe they don't. What sort of advice would you give those people? Yeah, so if you're a 1099 uh, employee, if you will, then 
there's something called a SEP IRA, which you can put, I think, up to like $58,000 per year into that, which again, kind of a 401k, that will reduce your income for this year. And again, which in fact will lower your tax bill as well. So those are probably the two biggest tax deductions you can probably get with when it comes to retirement planning, retirement savings. That's really yeah, that's really good to know because I feel like um, that's uh, that was something that I I did not know. Now, uh, one thing that I have a question for: if you live in another state, maybe not California, taxes are still high, but they're not as crazy. Would you give the same advice? Uh, and how does it work with states that don't have tax at all, like Alaska? Yeah, so really, it's it's, it's pretty much the same. So it's because it, no having because California obviously has a very high state tax income. Um, other states have zero percent tax income rates, but the, really the advice or the uh, general advice would, would be the same because to lower your overall tax bill, the biggest piece of it is that federal piece. If you're going to be in the 20 percent or 30 percent or up maybe the 40 percent tax bracket overall, so the the idea is to either reduce income by deferring it and then put away as much as you can in a retirement advantage vehicle. Hmm. Listen, That's really interesting. Michaela's like, wait, what? Love it. No, no I am. I used <laughs> no. to date this guy. I'm serious. I dated this guy that lived in Alaska. And at one point when I thought we were going to be together forever, it was a week, um, we, uh, I thought it was so wild to be able to live somewhere where there was no tax. And I, I loved it. And then coming to L.A., it just like rips me apart. Yeah, we're going to continue having these conversations because, you know, in the queer community, it's super important that we stay on top of our finances and our money so that we continue to start Absolutely. to build some generational wealth and, and, and help the community out. But uh, Ryan Vickery, thank you so much for joining us and congrats on the uh, the yeah. wedding. Yeah, honey, and happy holidays. Awesome. Thank you so much. You, you as well. Have a good one. This story is so fascinating to me. I love Ed Sheeran. I think he's wildly talented. Um, but... He's been very open, and maybe this is part of the reason I love him, about uh, his sexuality and what that means to him. By all accounts, he's very much a straight man. Yeah. But he has a very close relationship to Elton John. They talk literally every single day on the phone, which is why I can imagine that for a moment. Yeah. Elton John calls me every day. I'm still freaking out that Ariana Grande talked to me for 20 minutes Saturday night. Yeah. Imagine getting a call from Elton every day. Totally. Uh, well, Ed Sheeran now is opening up and saying that he recalls thinking he was gay as a kid uh, because he's not hugely masculine. So I'm not a hugely masculine person. I uh, said during an, uh, a recent I think episode we have audio, babe. of Man, Man, Man podcast. Let's take a listen. Not that I'm not like a hugely masculine person anyway. Like I, I have, I have a definite. Um, feminine side to the point where like when I was a kid I thought I was gay for a bit like I I, I, I definitely have a big feminine side I love musical theatre I love pop music I love Britney Spears like my my masculine side is like probably stops at drinking beer and watching football <laughs> okay okay I get that you know I think that a lot of men are tackling um, masculine energy and feminine energy because it's really never been a conversation that you could have until mm. like really right now. The Republicans are having it. Josh Hawley thinks we need to go back to the days where men are men and women are women and leave it at that. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> and you know, it's crazy because I was talking to Lisa, not to make it about women, but I think just that it sort of correlates that Lisa, even when she first came out, felt like the word there was the word butch and she had to be like, masculine and it was like that was kind of what lesbians were yeah one or the or, other or a, very, lip, or a lipstick lesbian totally, one or the other you're like butch or lipstick yep and now we're having very different conversations um because she has a very beautiful feminine side and masculine side both that are able to be embraced and it didn't always feel like that and i think that 
thanks to this newer generation, thanks to Little Nas X, thanks to, and and everybody that came before Little Nas X. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously he was influenced so by many the masses, the Elton Johns of the world, of course, that were able to now be like, oh, okay, I can embrace well, this. Happened. Okay, so you know this story, but and I'm not going to say any names. But when I was at your show Reverie like a couple of months ago, one of your friends, we all sat in a group. Elisa and I went together to support you, and one of your friends was sitting next to me, and I was like, oh, he's hitting on me. He's checking me out. Oh, he's cute. And like gorgeous, gorgeous. And I was like, oh, he's a little hottie. Okay, I'm very much engaged, but like this dude's cute. Not until the end of the night did that dude tell me, yeah, I'm a lesbian. And we had a conversation. Yes. And I was like, oh, wait, what? And I was so, and I was confused for a moment because I was like, wait, I've never really been attracted to women. And it fully identifies as female yeah. and as a cis female and as a lesbian. And I was like, oh, Okay, it but challenged, it's just so fluid right it now. Challenged what I thought I knew. Yeah. Guess who was at the gym last night? Who? Laith Ashley. Love working out next to us, and I was like, I'm pretty sure because everybody wears their mask in the gym, so you can't really tell for sure. And I looked at Emil like, Yeah, it's Laith, and I was like, Oh wow, Laith is hot. Yeah. Before Laith Ashley, I never thought in my mind. I was like, I never really considered like Laith Ashley did it for me too. Attracted to a trans man? I don't know. I don't. And, and now the answer is yes. I Honestly, could be. I feel like, and I told this to Lisa. I could identify as pansexual. I feel like, uh, because I did I did date men. We've talked about the bisexuality conversation, being overly sexualized, so I mm-hmm. don't. I'm madly in love with Lisa, and I'm so happy with Lisa. But if for some reason we weren't together, I would be open to date uh, trans people. I would be open to dating like anybody. Like whoever just sets me on fire is who I would be down for. And I think that it's because of Laith Ashley and different people that you're well, like, oh. It opens your eyes. It's about mm-hmm. representation, and that's why it's so important. And I, I told this story before, but my fiance I asked one day, I said, what if I decided I came home one day and I told you I was trans? I wanted to transition. He's like, yeah. And I was like, no, what would that do? He's like, what? What are you, what are you asking me? I'm like, well, what, what would you do? He's like, I would love you. I'm like, but you wouldn't like be with me, right? And he's like, why wouldn't I be? And I was like, oh, wow, I got some stuff yeah. to unpack. As a 41-year-old, we didn't have these conversations growing up, really. And it's so different now. And what is gender? Like, what is gender? I know, you know, I used to stink my mom's high heels when I was a little kid and wear them. And then at some point I was told, no, 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 no. And then that was embedded in me, you know? But, like, why? Like, who cares? Why does it matter the clothing that you wear? Yeah. Men used to wear high heels and wigs. And then they didn't. Totally. Because of Listen, like Christianity or something? Like, what is the point? I'm we're, I'm totally unpacking my sexuality day by day, being in therapy and then being in couples therapy. And more has been revealed. I've talked to you about it. Mm. But it's crazy the amount of things that we oppress that we don't even know we're doing. Yeah, and the rules that we live by in the generation mm. before us lives by. And see, Ugh. Lisa was totally rebellious. We were very different in that way. Lisa, like, did her thing, whereas I did not. And when she heard rules, she was like, bye. I've been thinking about getting my nails painted for 41 years now, and I haven't done it yet. I thought we did paint your nails. No, I want to try it. I've never so done it. So let's do it for pride. Yeah, maybe. This would be the time. Yeah, you're right. Or tomorrow would be the time, or whatever would be the time. There's no time, but yeah. pride would be- Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Be fun. All right, so as we approach the holidays, those of us in relationships, uh, I think that what happens a lot of times is we put this pressure to have like the most magical holiday season of all time. You know, my partner and I got into a little bit of a disagreement recently because I think I, as we inch closer and closer to Christmas, I finally had a meltdown. I was like, listen, you haven't done anything yet. You haven't helped me with the tree. You haven't helped me. You're not excited about getting gifts. Like, I know that we're planning a wedding. We can still do some cute stuff for each other, though. That doesn't have to cost a fortune. Yeah. So he took me out. We saw Christmas lights with our dog, and it was incredible, right? But I think that this time of year, more than any other time of year, there is that extra pressure to make things cozy and perfect and and the holidays magical, especially as queer people. So many of us, you know, have... We come from broken families or yeah. broken broken situations, and we're trying to create this idea of perfection that might not actually have ever existed, certainly not for our straight counterparts or for us either, uh, which could be one of the factors that explains this. More couples are ditching monogamy and going into different types of relationships. Wow. I don't wow. know about you, but I grew up like thinking monogamy was the only option. That's it. Yeah. Before the eyes of God, I went to Catholic school. There was no other option. But with more and more people opening up, including Will Smith, who talks at ad nauseum about uh, he and Jada's relationship and how it's evolved over the years and how they've both sort of stepped out and then come back into the relationship, you know, some people are turned off by that and some people are very, very intrigued by it. Um, but it turns out that ethical non-monogamy also known as ENM, uh, is a lot more common than you realize. It's, it's about having consent to have additional sexual or romantic partners outside of just the two that are in. Uh, and more than a fifth, one-fifth, over 20% of single American adults have engaged in this. So this is such an interesting conversation because we had dinner with a few friends of ours last week, and one is a therapist, a queer therapist. And we were talking about fertility and how um, we had asked somebody to be our sperm donor, and he respectfully and very understandably declined. He's straight. He doesn't have children yet. Um, and he just, you know, needs to protect that for himself. And, and we totally respect and understand that. But I was a little bit heartbroken. And um, our friend, who's a queer therapist, he said, so what's the plan? I said, well, you know, we're going to we're just going to freeze the eggs and then we're going to get married and then we're going to have the kids. And I don't want to know the sperm donor now. And he goes, so you just want to have the sperm donor just do what he does and then you guys just raise the kids and we were like yeah and he's like so you wouldn't want to know your sperm donor and let him have a presence with the kids and sort of raise it as a village and I was like "Mm, I don't know and he said you know no judgment but I feel like that's a very heteronormative way of thinking and I was like well what do you mean and he was like so you want to get married and then have children and just have Lisa be the dad and you be the mom and that's the way you want to do it. And I was like, 
Are you dragging me right now? Like, yeah, because yes. how, how well did that work out for you or me growing up? I know. And then he goes, did you come from a household like that? And I was like, no, actually, I, I didn't. And he goes, so why does it turn you off so much to sort of just have the babies now and then get married when you feel like it? And if you know the sperm donor, let him be involved. And it led to a very interesting conversation where I kind of looked at myself and was like, Oh, so I'm in a same-sex relationship, but still striving for, quote-unquote, hetero to Like the, the old school, yeah. Right? Yeah. And it totally tripped me out. Well, I think also part of that is that that's what we saw in film and television and media growing up as perfection. And we did not have that. My dad's yeah. been married four times. Same. My mom, God love her. Uh, she was more present at some times than others. She was a single mom working in the factory third shift, so she wasn't always there. And I have I have a more special relationship with my grandmother, as did you, um, and they both unfortunately passed. But I think that the, part of that yearning for something uh, is, is very much alive in you and I and a lot of queer people. And it's interesting how we're being challenged because, listen, I'm not a fan of just open relationships. I think that for me... I feel like, especially a lot of gay men my age, I don't know a lot of couples that are my age or older that are in committed monogamous relationships. And the whole idea of an open relationship, just where you can go do whatever you do, that's a big turnoff to me. But there are other forms that are less just, okay, just go do whatever. I don't want to hear about it. Right. There are other it's options. It's not coming from a defense. So this couple that I'm mm-hmm. specifically talking about, they have an open relationship. They've been together for four years. They have this fabulous communication. They're very intimate with each other. Sometimes they experience together. Sometimes they go on their own. But everything is really like thoroughly talked about. And it was so interesting because it's just something that we were never taught that would make sense. But also they were saying like, we're totally in love, but we're also like primal and animalistic. And uh, sometimes you just want to be able to explore. And as long as he's okay with it and I'm okay with it, this is good. It just brought up a very interesting conversation as we're moving forward in the world. I think leave it to beaver is getting left behind. Yeah, And also, and that's cute. I like that. But also I think that it, you have to also have to come from a place of full transparency and understanding. Yeah. And if, if you come from a place of brokenness and unfortunately a lot in our community come from that place, it can blow up in your face. And I've been in that situation. I tried an open relationship once and I was getting lied to and yeah. it devastated me for years. I was humiliated, but that doesn't mean that, that, that you can't get there in a healthier, uh, more sustainable way. And honestly, I think if you're talking with the therapist, there's ways to do it. Also, you can count on your friends, but I just, and I don't know if that's for me, but it was just an interesting way to look at things. Like I mm. never thought I was doing leave it to beaver yeah. <laughs> until he called me out. And Listen, I was like, oh, ethical yeah. non-monogamy, get into it or not, or not, whatever. Or get f- totally into it. Ew. So, uh, me personally, um, I am a big fan of Donald Glover. Me too. Childish Gambino. Me too. I think he is fearless. Um, when he did his video for This Is America a few years ago, I remember just my jaw was on the floor the first time I watched yeah, it. Yeah, I agree. But then I watched it over and over and over and over again and realized he's speaking, you know, truth to power and just just calling out some of the things that are wrong with our country as a whole. Well, now he's calling out all sorts of things on Twitter. He's calling out television. 
calling out films. He says that people are creating boring and less experimental television and films because they're afraid of getting canceled. This is something we talk about a lot on our show. We have uh, very strong opinions on cancel culture. Um, But do you think that he has a point? Do you think that these creators are afraid of getting canceled, so they're kind of playing it safe? Now, on one hand, you have shows like Atlanta, which he stars in for years, or or um, uh, Euphoria, for instance. Definitely not afraid of cancel culture. They're going for it. But are comedies less funny nowadays? Are films, like every single film, it seems like, is a Marvel superhero film? Those are pretty safe. They make sort of political statements, but they're sort of obscure political statements. X-Men sort of made a statement uh, in a couple of their films on like coming out as mutant, correlating to coming out as gay people. But if, if you don't get it, you don't get it. Yeah. Like members of our community would understand that. But straight it's, people aren't seeing that in the film. It's very tough for me because I did. I started doing stand-up comedy in 2014. And I right away loved it. I felt very influenced by Joan Rivers, um, Richard Pryor. There was a lot of comedians that I looked at, even Sarah Silverman, that I thought were just really like iconic. And I have said many times, if some of the jokes that were in that set were heard today, I would be so quickly canceled. Mm. I mean, canceled. And not because I said anything that was derogatory. They were all from my own experience. But I have a very dark sense of humor. I make fun of myself and other people. It's, you know, I use my own experiences to do so. And I think that now trying to be in a creative state, having to constantly worry if every single thing you're going to do is going to be nitpicked, it leaves you frustrated. And I hate when people say, well, if it's not problematic, then you shouldn't be worried. Mm. But I don't know what's problematic now. Every day it's ever changing. Well, it's, it's a moving target. And I think a conversation that we fail to have oftentimes is I know it's easy to look backwards and drag Joan Rivers, Johnny Carson, David Letterman, whoever it is, right, to drag them. But at the time, their comedy was revolutionary. And they might not be might not have been speaking on the issues that we care about today, and they might not have been as politically correct on some topics that we now know more about today right. because we're a more informed you know, society. That doesn't mean they weren't on the forefront cutting-edge comedy for issues that were big then. Back then, just having a woman like Joan Rivers hosting a primetime show was in and of itself a huge deal and very and controversial. that should be celebrated. I mean, look, I, I think that it's hard for me too because I feel like also with cancel culture, it's not like a teachable moment and we move on. It's mm-hmm. like it's over. And even going back to like Demi Lovato wanting to have the certain words be different when walking into like instead of it being guilt free, just have guilt taken off the sticker because uh, you should never shop. feel guilty yes. for eating. Like I understand that, but also I, in the culture that I was raised, grew up having to be like tough and have a backbone and, and you know, defend myself if need be. And everything wasn't so easy. It made me a great person. I feel like making everything so like tiptoe, it's just like kind of. 
I'm going to kind of disagree with Donald Glover on this because I think that we are living in a golden era of television and film. I think that especially television, uh, there are so many options and such diverse options out there for everybody looking for anything. I mean, I mentioned Euphoria a moment ago to have a, a teenage trans character on Euphoria, and it's not even a blip. It's just another one of the plot lines of the show. That's incredible to watch, you know, um, um, it's a sin. I was talking about it earlier. Right. Pose in their final season right now. These are shows that never. I t- I've told this story before, but I remember Melrose Place did a, a male same sex kiss uh, years and years and years ago, and I remember they built that up. Fox built that storyline up so big. It was what's his name, Doug Savant, I believe, was the character, was the one of the men. And when it finally came time for that kiss, they zoomed in, and then they the shot was the back of his head. They didn't even show the kiss. And so that's where we were in the 1990s. So without these sorts of comics who were pushing the envelope, then we wouldn't be where we are now. Now, looking back, are they problematic? Sure. But Joan Rivers or, you know, some of these some of these iconic Johnny Carson, I like to think that if they were born today, if they were in their prime today, they would adapt. It's like comparing athletes of today yeah. to athletes of 30 or 40 years ago. You adapt. And I think that they're genius comics and they would do I, better. I mean, I don't know that's difficult to say then because, first of all, I will say that I don't think Daniel, I don't think Donald Glover is saying that all television programming is boring because <clears throat> we've made leaps and strides. I think that there's so many great programs as well. I do think, though, that there are programs that are leaning towards the safe side, which is boring to me because people are afraid. But I will say it's difficult to say Joan Rivers was a trailblazer in her time and then say if she were doing it today, she would be canceled. But you don't know that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Her stuff is being canceled now. It's so. But you, then, how was she a trailblazer at the then, time? At the but time, but now she she'd was. be canceled. Like I don't. To me, I that because doesn't the make culture, sense. The culture has shifted. But because of her, the culture shifted. Exactly. So that's why I'm saying I'm not. I'm not for canceling her. I'm. I say that if she were in her prime right now, she would be up. To, like she would be up to the beat. She would be out there making jokes and calling out anti you know transphobia and other things i think she'd be doing that now those weren't in the zeitgeist back then. right those right. conversations weren't being had look 20 years from now people might look back at audio of us on this show and say the way that they talked about supporting this community or that community is so problematic i mean maybe i will you say never know. this is where i'm at even just making my record there was a song that i wanted to make it was a very personal song for me that had some spanish in it and i called my former best friend that's right and i said (laughs) i'm so excited and the song is very personal to me and here are the reasons why and immediately he said oh you're gonna get canceled you don't speak spanish and you're not spanish and i i I remember like feeling like oh my god i'm like suffocated feeling overwhelmed like i can't you can't do anything like why is that disrespectful how is that disrespectful Mm -hmm. maybe it is maybe it's not i it's just i understand the creative blocks when being told sure but i think there's there's a there's a major distinction that needs to be made between paying homage or 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 showcasing uh a, a culture or a language versus Straight up cultural appropriation and trying to make money off the backs of somebody else. I mean, maybe, they're, we'll they're, have, maybe we'll have a conversation about that because I'll tell you what, people get dragged for that. And I, I like how you said it, and I, I don't know how to have that conversation. Listen, we can have that conversation. Si se puede. Yes, we can. Oh. Barack Obama. Okay. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back to The Morning Beat. Uh, this is a really interesting conversation, and I'm really excited to have this. There's this article that our producer found uh, on Vice, uh, which is a fantastic site, by the way. Uh, but, uh, and the, the the topic is how to deal uh, with a friend who constantly puts down their partner as a joke, or how to have that conversation in your own relationship if you're sort of like, toxic quote-unquote joking is impacting the relationship Mm. i've been this guy i've been in this situation where because of my own maybe insecurities or whatever i constantly make jokes and i think gay people in particular gay men uh can and i want to get your take on this but i know as a gay man we tend to learn how to be very funny and very witty at a very young age to beat everybody to the punch to, yeah. to misdirect, to get people to not pay attention, to not catch on that you might actually be gay or in the closet. Um, but sometimes I think it can carry over into adulthood and into both personal and friendship relationships in a way that's not good. And also, not everybody gets your humor. Like You and I can say just about anything to each other, mm-hmm. which is why they pay us to talk for a living. Mm-hmm. And things that we say privately to each other would just be appalling to some other people. Yeah. But it's our humor and we understand our boundaries with each other. But sometimes it carries over into relationships that can be, can be bad. Um, and I know I've hurt my partner before. I'm kind of curious to know your take on the sort of like idea of joking uh, when it's not received as a joke for other people. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I will say this a million times, probably forever, but start a therapy. I really like it. And I used to... Um, be very, very self-deprecating because I felt like it made everybody else in the room comfortable. That way I was more relatable. That way I was more likable. And I also got to the joke about myself faster than anybody else could. Mm -hmm. But that has left me in a position where people will make jokes about me 
that I actually never found funny. I found them to really hurt my feelings. I'm actually pretty sensitive. Mm-hmm. And I actually don't like when people make fun of me. And I don't like when people tell jokes about me. And so a boundary that I've had to set is, not only am I not going to make the joke about me, but you're not going to anymore either. Mm. That's in a very general setting. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I think that um, everyone does it as a defense mechanism, but it's really kind of mean to yourself. And one thing that I've, pr- I've prided myself on is I will never make fun of somebody else but I will absolutely make fun of myself. I'm usually that way too. Like I won't, I'll, I'll do a lighthearted like tease about people or if people I'm friends with that I'm close to, but I don't like to like actually just make fun of people because I think that's cruel Yeah. and there's no need for it. Yeah. Well, there, there are a few reasons though, apparently, according to Ryan House, he's a therapist and an author. Um, one of the reasons is insecurities, like I said. Um, and I think that's kind of my reason. Uh, he says also couples sometimes aren't comfortable communicating their feelings directly to their partner. This one's interesting. Sometimes they want to like rehash an argument that they had privately, th- privately with their apartment in front of their friends to see like whose side people would take, Ew. to see what people's opinions are, right? And then they also says sometimes people are just showing off a little bit for an audience. Sometimes they get in front of people, and I an issue that we've had, and my partner is so so sweet, but sometimes the thing that bothers me is, and I think I've, I know, I know that I've done this to him with his good friend Alana. Sometimes. She and I gang up a little bit and tease him a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. And it hurts his feelings. Yeah. He's like, she's my friend first. But early in our relationship, and who knows who did this first, but I have a friend, Mike, who comes to visit from Columbus. He lives in Chicago now, but he comes out here every now and then. And when he would come to town, Emil would get kind of mean and nitpick me and like make fun of me and do little things. I was like, this is so uncharacteristic of you because my my friend has only met you a couple of times. I want him to see who you are. I don't know what this is. Yeah. And I finally had to talk to him because they would kind of tease me a little bit. And nobody likes to be ganged up on. Yeah. And so our friends one time sat us down at brunch, our girlfriends. We go to church every Sunday together before the pandemic. And I would always make little comments about how I said something along the lines one time. And I've said this many times. I'm like, he was like a little kid when I met him. He was like a little boy. Because mm-hmm. my partner's like 10 years younger and he was in the closet. Yeah. And he was a little boy. Wasn't really that attractive. Wasn't really that cute. I was sleeping with some other guy who was really hot at the time. And for some reason I like you know, decided to give Emil a chance. And in my mind, that narrative is like accurate. And also I'm like, oh, I'm being sweet. What a nice guy. And they're like, eh, don't talk about him that way. He was, first of all, he was never a little boy. Second of all, like he was a, a mature, well-rounded enough adult to get into a real relationship with you. And, you know, so be careful how you put him down. Yeah. I didn't see it that way at first. And then I was like, oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe be kinder. I mean, I don't know. Lisa and I started therapy and I like going with her too. I feel like it gives us a good way to communicate. Lisa's never been one to make fun of me. However, she said like an off the, off the grade comment the other day in front of a friend of ours. And I thankfully was able to like pull her side and I was like, that didn't make me feel good and I didn't like that. And then mm-hmm. she was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I think that things that used to be acceptable no longer are acceptable. So we're like working through that. You know what I'm saying? Like some yeah. things that used to be said, they don't get to be said anymore. Well, as your friend, okay, this is what this article is about. I've seen Lisa tease you and make fun of you. Yeah. But more of a like, um, oh, Michaela, that's Michaela. Yeah. But at the time... That's what also what you were saying about yourself. Right. So she was kind of following your lead, I think. Totally. And so it's good to know that, because I haven't been around you guys a lot because of the pandemic, but it's good to know that with therapy, as you start to adjust, because sometimes it's hard for a partner. Yeah. Once you start it's to change the way that you treat yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But it's better. It's yeah. better. And then she has, you know, it makes more sense. But 
Yeah, if you're making fun of your partner, that's yucky. Like, mm, don't no. do that. It doesn't make anybody feel good. And honestly, it makes you look like the D-bag for sure. Like, you do not look cool when you are making fun of your partner. What's a D-bag? Just shut up. I'm not saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the morning beat. I want to ask you, Michaela, are you familiar or were you before this morning with the term, the phrase, grass widow? I was not, but they are often people that I have thought about, but mm-hmm. I didn't know the name and that there was like a whole community. You didn't have like terminology to put to it. No. Now, now, grass widow is an old fashioned term uh, for a wife traditionally who becomes so alienated from her spouse that he might as well have died. That's sort of where this this terminology came from. Wow. But it's now being used by some as a synonym for a trans widow, uh, the controversial term for a woman who hasn't come to terms with a partner's sex change. This is really fascinating. The most famous example we probably have is Kris Jenner um, after after uh, Caitlyn transitioned from Bruce to Caitlyn and changed everything. Take a listen to Chris's words. I think going through something like this is difficult because the whole thing is something I've never dealt with before. And I realized that I still have a long way to go before I can process all of this and understand it. And seeing these clothes and realizing that Bruce has thrown them out makes it real. Now, she's famous. That's that's a story that many people are very familiar with. Yeah. Uh, people are less familiar with, uh, with a woman by the name of Karen Ranney. Uh, refers to herself as a grass widow. And there's a photo here of her uh, with her husband uh, in their wedding picture from 1978. Well, uh, she's now written a book uh, talking about her then-husband's gender counselor um, saying, listen, as your husband goes through this gender confirmation and starts living life as a woman, it might open you up to some really interesting you know, sexual exploration. Your sex life, I believe, will actually improve. And Karen says, whoa, 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 whoa. That might be good advice for some, but she didn't really like this counselor's advice because that, she's like, that was not good advice for me. I was mourning, mourning the loss. Oh, yeah. And the idea of the of, of, the, of the, the grass patch, of the grass widow, it basically means that uh, you've lost somebody. You've mourned the loss or the death of somebody without actually having a tombstone yeah. there. You just have a grass patch. Well, I used to work very closely with a lot of uh men that were transitioning into becoming a woman it was um uh, they would come to this particular store it was in Vegas and uh they would have the the accessibility of clothes and makeup and um a a place to feel safe and i would have a lot of conversations and it was really really devastating because a lot of the wives of these men who had yet transitioned were having a very difficult time um a lot of women were very angry with their at the time, husbands, a lot of them did not transition with them when they did. And I, I would feel I feel like we talk a lot about our trans community, but this whole trans widow is something that I don't think gets enough attention. And I think that it shouldn't. I think it should exist because I would be devastated if I came home and Lisa wanted to transition into a man. Um, it's not something that I've totally given a lot of thought to, but I don't know if I would be okay with that because I fell in love with Lisa as a woman and there's just so many things that change, even hormonally. Mm. You know, the, these husbands are starting estrogen um, and then they really do start their transition and I, I feel like it'd be very difficult and I feel like this story makes me really sad. Well, she's now living in the Hudson Valley with a new partner, but she says that when this was happening, um, their children were impacted she was impacted 
uh, and there wasn't a whole lot of conversation that she felt she could have. Yeah. Uh, she's definitely having that conversation now um, in her new book that she's releasing based on this because she said she when she heard Chris Jenner talk about this, you know, we talk about this oftentimes, the power of a celebrity sharing. Billy Porter's yes. doing it and people are opening up and having conversations now. Uh, but because of that, though, uh, she's been able to work on this book and is now sharing her story with, you know, hopefully countless others who can maybe learn something as well. Because it's so easy to feel like to feel like we have to support everybody all the time. And if you don't support – if somebody does make the decision to transition – my partner and I actually had this conversation one time just out of curiosity – I said, what would you do? What would you do if I decided tomorrow uh, that I that my truth that I've been hiding from myself all this time is that I feel that I'm a woman and I'm going to have gender confirmation, confirmation surgery just to sort of see where the conversation would go. And my partner, Emil, without skipping a beat or blinking an eye, says, I love you. Nothing would change. I'm like, okay, come on. Like, sexually, that would be very different. Yep. I yeah. tend to be, you know, a pitcher. <laughs> if you know what that means. And 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 that would change. Did not care. Did not blink. And I, and I kind of felt guilty because I said, oh, I don't know how I would process that. I don't know. And I think that's a very real, honest response. And also generationally, I think the older you are, the harder it is to even think about. This younger generation looks at gender very differently than we did. Yeah. We were taught there were two. But I think that you have to very responsibly understand that they do change as a human being with whatever hormones they're on it's just it's a it's a chemical thing and i i don't have to have that conversation with lisa if we did we'd give it a lot of time we would do it with a therapist mm-hmm. there would be open conversations in many of them but i love who i'm with today i don't i don't know but i'm happy that she's writing this book i think well, it's really great i think it's really interesting here uh, the, the memoir is titled the curated woods a grass widow uh, her seasons of memories, uh, and and if, if you're interested, check that book out. I think it's really fascinating. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Absolutely. All right, this time of year, people like to be a little more charitable. Some because they want to write it off on their taxes. <laughs> Others because uh, their heart just feels moved or compelled to do so, right? The holidays are here. And if you can give back, I think it's important to give back in any way that you can, right? Tis the season, as they say. Um, but this, this question posed to Dear Amy... Like kind of like Dear Abby, but Dear Amy, uh, has the internet divided? And so now we need to decide who, in fact, is the a-hole, if, in fact, there is one. Okay? You ready for it? Yes. So uh... I've become friendly with a married couple, both women, same-sex lesbian couple, who recently started attending our small Protestant church. They chose our church because of its progressive and inclusive attitude toward the LGBTQ plus people. Great. This couple has decided to spearhead a Christmas campaign asking fellow congregants to donate gifts through a national charity run by a well-known evangelist whose anti-gay stance is common knowledge. Okay, here's where it gets dicey. Members of our church have participated in this for several years, but I decided quietly that I would direct my Christmas charity elsewhere and choose not to donate. 
<clears throat> this is the first year the campaign has been led by a gay couple, and I wonder if they realize that the leader of the national charity believes that gay people are adulterers and godless sinners. Those are direct quotes. Should I tell them? Signed, Torn. Oof. This is tricky. Oh, God. The church has been doing this for years, and this lesbian couple is just now leading it, but maybe they don't know. Should they know? Does it matter if they know? Does it matter? You know, we've talked about uh, uh, what is the one where they ring the, the bucket and the bell. Salvation and Army. Salvation Army, gosh. We talked about that recently, how problematic they were for so many years. Uh, and recently they've started to like pull together, right? I didn't donate to them for a long time. But is it okay that the same-sex couple is raising money for an anti-gay evangelist group that hates our community? Uh, No. Okay. Why? Um, because I feel like uh, raising money for uh, an establishment that doesn't, that hates our community feels like self-hatred, one. Yeah. And two, um, that's my family. Does like that, you're raising money that then affects my family yeah, and sure. my children. Sure. Does that make this couple a-holes then? Or does it I make think them... it makes them misdirected. I think it or makes ill-informed. them yeah. ill-informed. Mm-hmm. I get that. I think the interesting part to this is that this person is saying, I quietly put my money elsewhere. Well, that's, I think that's the bigger problem. Yeah. I think quietly doing this for years, you're at fault. Mm -hmm. If you know that your church is progressive and you're still not speaking up, that's the problem. When so many people don't speak up for so long, we get stuck in these issues. I have a little bit of a different take. I, so for instance, I oftentimes, if I ever have money in my wallet, I give it to homeless people. I just do. Yeah, whenever, I, whenever I walk by somebody, if I happen to have it, I'll give it to them. Yeah, if I don't it's care. a dollar, if it's $20, doesn't matter. I'll just give it to them. And I used to be of the mindset that, because people say like, I remember like my mom or something was out here one time. She's like, why well, here they use it for drugs or they just whatever, this, that or whatever. I'm like, it's not about that actually. Doesn't That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they use it for. If this person wants to go take this and, and, and buy a needle of heroin, do you do heroin with needles, right? And go shoot up. That's their choice. My my gift is showing them that I care about them and that I love them, regardless of what they're going to do with the money. So you think that that's what they're doing with this church? I don't know. I No, I think that I'm not upset with the lesbian couple. I think that their heart is in the right place. And I think that uh, this other friend who's been at this church needs to speak up. I don't think it's, I don't think it's the queer community's problem to solve. Do you know what I mean? We're the ones that are already being targeted. So to put that on the couple and be like, well, should they be doing this or not? I think that's a little bit unfair. I mean, here's the thing with the homeless conversation. I give my money to all homeless people for the same reason. I don't care what they use it for. I need that sole individual to not feel so lonely. The mm -hmm. reason that they are homeless, the reason that they do drugs, clearly they're in some sort of pain. It's not my business. I don't know what they're using it for. Sure. With this church, I know what they're using it for, mm -hmm. and it does directly affect me and my community. Mm -hmm. So I think it is different. You want to give out of the out of your goodness of your heart. There's so many other places that you could give that are not anti-LGBTQ. What if it's a toy drive? What if it's a toy drive and you're donating toys and they're giving those to kids that are in need whose parents might be hateful and anti-LGBTQ, but it's not directly having a negative impact on our family? Does it change it a little bit or no? I mean, I would just directly bring the toy to the child. Yeah. Yeah, and, I wouldn't give I, money to the company. Yeah. I would literally say, is there a specific family? Mm -hmm. Is there a specific child? 
and just ask questions and yep. bring the toy to the kid. Yeah. I think this is, is an interesting conversation, like where your money goes, because we all like to we all like to stand on our high horse or, or sit on our high horse or stand on our soapbox and feel like we know what's going on. But listen, I'm still a member at Equinox. You know what I mean? They almost got canceled for being, you know, Trump supporters and anti-LGBTQ for like a couple of months, a couple of years ago. But I still go there. And there's major organizations that I support all the time that I don't know where they're actually their money's going. Um, it's really, really interesting, though. But there was a response to this letter. Uh, Dear Torn, you've been a quiet witness to this annual appeal. This is an ethical concern for you. And you should not expect a gay couple to care more about this than you do. If you don't believe that your particular congregation should endorse and participate in this campaign because of the discriminatory beliefs of its founder, you should take your concerns to your church's governing body, not to these individuals. And I think that's kind of what we both agreed on. Yeah. I think take it take it to the church. Don't say, okay, one gay couple who's finally leading this campaign, it's your fault. Totally. Do better. Yeah. Listen, it's tricky and there's no there's no clean clear cut answer always. But I think that it's not the lesbians issue. They're just trying to do some good and fit into the church. And I hear that. I hear that. I think there is a difference between giving to a full organization and then just really meeting some of the children and being like, here you go, babe. Yeah. Come on now. This sounds lovely. It is lovely. Who else is lovely? Good friend of the show, Jonathan Bennett. Hi. He, uh, I'll he was, be home for Christmas. I'll be home for us, right? That's I right. thought it was. I'm dreaming of a white no, Christmas. Wrong. Really got that Can wrong. Can I didn't finish I? my intro? Go off. Would, would that be nice? Remember Jonathan Bennett? We came by last year uh, when he was starring in Hallmark Channel's first ever same-sex couple Christmas film, The Christmas House. Well, The Christmas House two deck the halls, deck those halls, uh, brings him back with his love, uh, but um, he's been praised on you know social media for for. Just being such an out and proud member of our community. And during the holidays, it's even more important than ever. But uh, he also took the opportunity on social media to reflect on his career in Hollywood over the last 20 years and the pressure so many gay men put themselves under to achieve or overachieve and appear perfect. Uh, you know, mental health experts believe this is because gay people receive messages when they're younger they are that they are less than or wrong, leading to overcompensating behavior. We actually have some audio of Jonathan. Let's take a listen. I can only imagine what it would feel like, you know, to have younger Jonathan sitting at home with his family in Toledo, Ohio, watching a Christmas movie where, you know, two of the leads are two men who are in love and who are starting their own family. Like, it, it just feels so good because representation is important. And to get to represent this storyline on Hallmark Channel in a Christmas movie, <laughs> I mean, it's an honor. Okay, so that was him talking mm, to us last year about the first yeah. film. And he says, you know, I think a lot of LGBTQ plus people will see themselves in these characters, speaking of his character uh, and his partner's character from the film. So the truth is there is a lot of internal pressure that many queer people experience to be perfect. The perfect parents or perfect partner or neighbor, to quote my character, because the second we're not the second, uh, the second we're not, you can start to feel the looks. And he said that really hit home for him. And that hits home for me hard. Yeah, you know, I, I've tried to be I've tried to be the most perfect son, the most perfect brother, the most perfect friend, the most perfect partner, the most perfect gay. And I almost I bring myself to a meltdown every single year. It happened again this year because I think the holidays need to be exactly what I saw in the movies. 
They need to be this perfect thing, candles lit, wine glasses going, and and everything's perfect. And I never had that once growing up. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting that you say that because I feel like I'm struggling with that in my life all around. I think that it started with... Uh, a lot of different things, you know, like sperm shopping and moving into a new place and my relationship with Lisa and watching people get engaged and then having the holidays and all of these things. And I felt like, oh, it, yeah, it totally has to be a very specific way that a friend of mine pointed out very lovingly but aggressively and said, you're looking at things in such a heteronormative way. That's the beauty of being gay. We do whatever we want. We don't have to do it how you, everybody else does it. You know, it's interesting you say that because I I broke down. Okay, so... My partner and I run into Colton Underwood almost every day at the gym. He's here a lot. I think his, his, he's with his boyfriend. We've seen him a couple of times. And they go to an Equinox near here. And and there's been so many moments where we've made eye contact. Like we want to say hi to each other. We want to like introduce ourselves, but we haven't. And we've been talking to his publicist about potentially having him on the podcast. But we kind of put a pause on that because we weren't really sure. He's very divisive. Yeah. And he's been sort of a lightning rod in our community. Col- right. Colton and, his, and his, his show that just came out on Netflix. And Emil was at the gym last night. And I said, I'm going to pass. I'm going to hang out here at the dog. And I, I started watching it. And I watched three episodes. And... Uh, it brought me to tears. I feel so deeply for him. And Gus Kenworthy is sort of like his guide, right? His mentor. Which is incredible. Yeah, and he talks about exactly that. He's like, listen, we got to make our own rules. Like, we yeah. live by these heteronormative sort of ideals that don't benefit us. So why do we always well, try to upkeep them? And I'm going to tell you something. And you know this. You know, you actually know every nitty gritty detail. One, because you're my best friend. And two, I like see you every day. And three, because you never stop talking to me. And three, because I never shut up. Ever. But, you know, I feel like in looking things and it with new perspective, so many fights could have been saved between Lisa and I. Big fights. Just things avoided completely. really yep. hurt each other. If I had had a perspective of, hey, I'm creating my own relationship and I don't have to be like everybody else and I don't have to be like the other girls or the other gays. And I think that moving forward in 2022, we may not get married before the baby. We may not buy the house before the marriage. Yeah. We may have sex with somebody else. I don't know about that part. I'm just saying that. <laughs> I'm just saying that. Not to have sex with you, just so you know. Shut up, AJ. We kill ourselves trying to be normal yeah. when normal people hate their lives anyway. Well, and, it, and we didn't grow up normal anyway. And also, name one lesbian couple that you just like absolutely admire and like want to be like so bad. Or straight couple for that matter. Like, are there any? I don't really have any couples listen, that I really look up to. Let me say this. There's one that I just so thought of. So why am I of. trying to be like them? There's one I thought of and you're going to hear me on this. I think that it makes lesbians and gays more palpable. When they're doing the more heteronormative thing. You mean palatable? Right. Palpable means it's, you can touch it. Palatable. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like when people are like, I don't get it. And then they see that they live these normal lives. They're like, oh, I can deal with that. I don't want you to deal with yeah. me. I don't want to be palatable. I want to be whatever you. the F I want to be. And yeah. You, you can just deal with it or not. I don't care. Uh, and you don't get to be around. Kudos to you, Jonathan Bennett. We're proud of you. We love you, Jonathan. Also, somebody who lost his parents. Devastating. And he's yeah. doing so well for himself. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to The Morning Beat. It's time for another round of What the Health with our nurse practitioner in-house, Dr. James Simmons. Dr. James, how are you? Hi, honey. I am doing fantastic. How are y'all? We're fantastic as well. But this news that uh, is in this article we just came across has us a little bit concerned. Um, Myself in particular, because this really impacts gay and bisexual men specifically. Uh, We wanted to talk to you about PrEP. Uh, Apparently, uh, those who have been taking PrEP 
uh, the, the numbers have declined a bit. People are coming off of their PrEP during this pandemic. Um, a new study from Australia found that one in four PrEP users stopped taking their medication during the pandemic. Another five switched uh, from daily dosing to on-demand dosing, which is great. But those just dropping off, is it because people are having less sex right now? Or are there other reasons at play? Yeah. I mean, that's part of it, for sure. People were definitely, definitely having less sex during um, the pandemic, right? People, and, and, and I let me rephrase, the pandemic is still going on. But during when we were certainly in, like, quarantine and isolation and all those different things, people were having a lot less sex. They were just hooking up a lot less. And so lots of individuals that I've come across, not only people that I have treated and, and patients, but also friends, have just stopped taking PrEP because they're like, well, why do I need to take this thing every day if I know for sure I am not having sex? Well, the world has changed quite a bit since then, right? And a lot more of us are, are out and about. And this does bring up some issues in terms of, okay, if you've been off of PrEP, how do you get back on it and what's the right way to do that? And conflating the issues, of course, is that there are other countries, including Australia, some countries in Europe, do what's, um, what's called like, um, oh, I just, the word just blanked, but they, they dose per sexual session, so instead of here in the United States, we prescribe PrEP and, and say, take this pill every single day. In Europe and in Australia and other countries, they say, only take this on an as-needed basis. So if, let's say, you know it's a Saturday night, you're going to go out, you may have a sexual encounter, we encourage you to start taking PrEP on Friday, and then you're going to take two on Saturday, and then you're going to take one pill of PrEP every day following for the next three days, and then you can stop. So people have seen, okay, well, I can do this sort of like one-off dosing depending on, you know, the start and stop thing, depending on how sexually active I am versus taking it every day, which why was I taking this every day? Because I'm not having sex. And so the big key takeaway here for folks who stopped taking PrEP is if you are ready to get back on PrEP, and I encourage everyone who's HIV negative to do so, um, you got to go through the whole process again. We need to check your labs really quick, make sure your kidneys are all right. We need to do an HIV test, make sure you're HIV negative at this point before you start. Well, I'm curious about that. It's really, really interesting to me because I know I have, I, I've done prep campaigns for the for the federal government, right? And a lot of the information we share, and a lot of my friends have told me, they're like, listen, you got to be on it for like five days to be fully protected, 99% protected, right? Um, and so five days before I go on a vacation or five days before I think I want to hook up, I just take some prep. And then I take it for a couple of days after and I'm fine. You're saying that it's super important to also go in and get your labs checked and get your blood work checked and all those sorts of things. Is there danger involved in other than obviously the unknown and maybe you have picked up something along the way, but is there actual danger involved in let's say that you you are HIV negative, didn't realize it, it just happened, and you take PrEP for an upcoming encounter, besides the risk that you're putting your partner in, is there extra danger on you in that scenario, or is it just out of an abundance of, of, of caution? A couple of things that could be put you more at risk in that scenario. So um, we have a ton of data about both Truvada and Descovy and how well they work. And some of the data does point to you can build up Descovy builds up a little bit faster in your system, but just a tiny bit. But Truvada, if you're having anal sex, you generally need about five to seven days for it to ramp up to get fully effective in your system. So, but what some of the data is saying is that it's almost as effective, and it's obviously way better if you're taking something versus nothing, even if you only start it a day before you have sex, or even that 
day. Mm. And so in other countries where they have much more of like kind of a harm reduction strategy, they're saying, look, if you don't want to take this thing every day, it at very least take a couple of pills a day you think you're going to have sex and then take it one pill a day for the three days afterwards. Now, well, the danger in that is you don't have as high of protection, right? We The data shows pretty clearly that you're, you're, you're not as well protected. And two, if you happen to have seroconverted and become HIV positive since your last test while you were off of PrEP, some of the medications in Truvada and Descovy, right, they're combinations, some of the medications in those can actually have your body build a resistance against those medications, and those medications are also used to treat HIV if you're HIV positive. Mm. What we do is expose your body to lower doses of these medications, your body slash HIV build a re uh, resistance to the medications, and then when we try to put you on those same meds at higher doses, as a treatment, the treatment doesn't work because you've built a resistance. Well, Dr. Mm. James, we want to continue this conversation on what the health. We want to discuss the devastating effect COVID took on our pockets and why our health care costs are so crazy. We'll discuss next. It's time for another round of What the Health with our nurse, uh, nurse house, our in-house nurse practitioner, Dr. James Simmons. Say that three times fast. He's awesome. He's here once again. And we're talking about, of course, COVID-19. Uh, it's the topic of conversation today. Uh, we just had a great conversation about the Omicron variant and the efficacy of the uh, Pfizer boosters, according to a new study. If you missed that, download our podcast on the Odyssey app. You can listen there. But right now, we're going to talk about the, the long-term economic impact of this global pandemic. More than half a billion people globally were pushed into extreme poverty last year as they paid for health costs out of their own pockets during the height of the pandemic. This is according to the World Health Organization uh, and the World Bank. That's a big deal, James, and, and or Dr. James, I'm so sorry. Uh, and we're going to see the lasting impact of that for generations to come. How do we try to uh, negate some of that negative impact uh, now so that we're not leaving half a billion people out in the cold, you know, struggling just to put a roof over their heads? I mean, my honestly, my biased opinion and, and or maybe not so biased answer to your question, AJ, is for everyone to hurt just hurry up and get vaccinated. Jesus, mm. H. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, almost, I almost swore on your airway. You know, the faster that we're able to get out of this, the faster we can move towards, uh, you know, economic recovery. And it's very, you know, obviously I'm not an economist, but it's pretty clear that when recession types of situations happen, which we were in, you know, uh, globally a worse recession since the 1930s because of this pandemic, you see increases in poor and some people, there are so many people, 500 million just from the pandemic, but there are so many people here on, on our, in our own land and glo globally that are so close to being pushed into that extreme level of poverty, homelessness, you know, all of those different things for any scenario, let alone having to deal with healthcare costs. And, you know, unfortunately in the United States, we, you know, we live in, in one of the wealthiest countries on the entire earth. And this is something I actually just was speaking about this um, just a few weeks ago to a group of people in Oakland about how we have one of the most, we spend more money on healthcare per person and per capita than any other country in the world. Yet of the 30 most developed countries, we have the 27th best healthcare outcomes. See, okay, that, so but that's that's so interesting to me. How do you how do you change that system though? Because Americans are of the belief system, and this is who we are as a capitalist society. That more money fixes things. 
We throw more money mm-hmm. into our policing. We throw more money into our military. Because I would like to say the LAPD and I, I, you know, we were looking at all of these things that are happening in Los Angeles right now. And they were saying, well, it's because they're defunding the police. A 3% raise, but crime's still higher. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, money doesn't fix it. Like, what, what will fix this? I mean, you said the big C word right there, which is a whole different conversation that I am only qualified to talk about as a human being who has an opinion, not because I have some sort of like other training in this, whatever, but capitalism, right? Mm. Capitalism is the root of all of this. We are in a very, very, very fragmented healthcare system. We are one of the few, um, we used to say industrialized, but you know, high wealth nations, one of the few who doesn't provide some sort of nationalized healthcare system. And we pay more money in our own pockets. And here's the, here's the rub. This is what a lot of people don't understand. We actually pay more money as a government for healthcare than anybody else does. Yet 26 countries have better healthcare outcomes, longer lifespans, better, healthier living than we do. So we actually spend more money than everybody else, even though we don't have a nationalized healthcare system. And it's because we are in this for-profit insurance healthcare system like frankly that's it we're super super fragmented we have a pay per service like a pay fee structure for service insurance companies drive all of that and there's very little like they sort of regulate themselves so it, it makes it really really difficult that we all you know have to pay so much money for insurance and we don't have really good health outcomes And we were already in a really bad place with that. And the pandemic just took us to extremes. Well, you know, I think it's really interesting because somebody that I know and adore um, has had really, really bad uh, health issues, neck pain from severe injury years ago. And instead of properly being able to take care of herself, going to a specialist, having her insurance cover majority of the costs, the doctors would rather just keep her on pain medication. And I think that then leads into so many conversations of like the opioid crisis and all of these things that are happening because people cannot afford to actually take care of their ailments mm. so they're just given these band-aids to fix it and i just think it's devastating yeah the u.s ranks that. just above lithuania estonia and cutter so that's where we are great yeah. awesome isn't, isn't that wild well dr yeah. james simmons we appreciate you so much thank you as always for joining us have a happy holiday season we'll talk to you soon thank you very much y'all too tell me something good I'm going to tell you a little story about a young man by the name of Jonathan Chong. Uh, now, he recently, at the age of 24 years old, was crowned valedictorian for the National University of Singapore's class of 2021 on the same day he turned 24. Pretty awesome stuff. Uh, he graduated with a degree in communications and new media, um, and he humbly told the Channel News Asia that he was a very plain and average student throughout university. I studied a lot, got good grades. But so did a lot of other people, so I don't really feel outstanding. Well, he is actually outstanding, and here's why. Because when Jonathan was born with type 2 spinal muscular atrophy, doctors did not expect him to live past the age of 2. He just turned 24 and is the valedictorian of his college. That oh my is God, incredible. That's incredible. Listen, I dropped out of college twice because I was dealing with my homosexuality. I... I failed out of an entire semester at one point. Then I got straight B's and C's because that was what I could do. And I'm still paying off my student loans. Listen, I just wanted to be famous, so I went on American Idol. Yeah. Skipped the school loans. This young man, not expected to live to the age of two, 
24 years old, Angel valedictorian baby. of his college. Yeah, I love that. What a special gift. Okay. Uh, congratulations, Jonathan. Well, check this special gift out. All right. So weddings are normally very touching and beautiful, but when Kellyanne and Anthony Ferrero decided to tie the knot, Kelly wanted to make the day extra special for her soon-to-be husband. Since Anthony is blind, she knew he wouldn't get to view her in her wedding dress, but nonetheless, she was determined to make sure he got to see her uh, on their big day. He just simply had to use his other senses. So combining a variety of fabrics, the custom-made, one-of-a-kind gown Kelly came up with made it possible. Uh, there was enough texture that he was able to literally feel his wife. They took pages of a book uh, by Louis Braille. Then as a nod to designers uh, from traditional bridal magazines, they were able to put it all together and he uh, got to like feel her. Mm. Is that beautiful? Don't put your hands on me on my wedding day. Don't get Listen any. Don't me. get any ideas. I saw this video. Okay, so that uh, is so funny to me. It's just, a video where you just sent this to me, right? Yes, yep. I actually even posted it and tagged it because I thought it was so real. This like groomsman is trying to help his best friend, don't the tag groom, me on don't, and don't tag he me. goes to help and he literally pushes the bride <laughs> and, and the, the priest in the pool. Could you imagine? Yes, I can because their setup is not that different from how we're getting married. Oh, my God. I would die. I don't want to give the details away, but there's water involved. Oh, my God. I'm going to be on my best. <coughs> Joe, you're not I coming, can't even you're not, Yeah, you're, getting, you're not coming near me. There's going to be plexiglass <laughs> somewhere, just like there is in the studio here. Plexiglass oh so my that God. Michaela Gordon can't get near me on my wedding day. <laughs> I'm literally choking. You're not going to hug nervous. me. <coughs> oh, I'm, oh, I'm going to hug you. I'm putting you in a chair and strapping you down. No, you're not. Because I will get out. I will bring a knife. (laughs) (laughs) I will bring a knife. (laughs) All right. This Tell Me Something Good is sponsored by McDonald's. Tis the season to treat yourself and drink up the holiday joy. Now get a small peppermint mocha hot or ice for only $2. Prices and participation may vary. We have a great show for you tomorrow. It's as always, thank you for listening. So good to have my best friend back. We'll see you tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.